guys doing tonight? Well, I am so glad that you guys are here. I am glad that I am here. I'm glad for those of us who are, those of us, those of you who are joining us online tonight, today, whenever you're watching this. So I want to start by telling you something about myself that you don't know. There's probably a lot of things, but one of them is that when I was younger, I loved to body surf. I grew up at beaches in Southern California, and I went to beaches from before the time I could walk all the way up through high school, and the beaches in Southern California are beautiful, but they have waves. They have huge waves all the time. They have waves that crash. The water is always cold. The, the, the sand is kind of grainy and dark, very different from the beaches that we have here on the Gulf side in Southwest Florida. I love the beach, and I love the beach. I love the beaches here. I love them because they're probably because they're opposite of the beaches that I came from in that the sand is soft and white. There are no waves. If there are waves, they're very gentle, very gentle little waves. It's clear. The water is very clear. In Southern California, it is not clear because it's churning and it's wild. It's like it's a storm every single day, and you don't even know what you're stepping into in Southwest Florida. You could see where you're stepping, and you know what's there, which sometimes is a little scary <laughs> because you do see what's there. My husband is bored to death at these beaches. He's like, where are the waves? And I'm like, I love it. But this week when I went to the beach, it really reminded me of the beaches that I used to go to growing up and going to body surf because this week we had a storm and there were waves and it was all churning and it was crazy and I see people fighting their way out past where the wave breaks. And see, that's what you do when you body surf is that you have to fight your way out so that you get to just the right place so that if you can catch the wave, if you catch it just right, you get into it and then you can ride it all the way into shore. And it is an amazing experience. It's so amazing that you will keep trying to do it no matter what, because nine times out of 10, that's not what happens. What happens is that you fight your way out there and then you get to a place where you're like, this is it. I'm catching the wave. And then instead of catching the wave, it like pounds you into the ground. And you're like, I can't see. I don't know where I am. I can't breathe. Find the ground. And then you put up, you push up out of the water and you're like, I'm alive. I'm so glad I'm here. That's what body surfing is if you ever want to do it. I don't do that here. And I didn't do that this week at our beach, although it made me think of it. And so it was hot, because it is summer here, and I went out uh, to cool myself down by going up to my knees, because I'm not fighting the waves now. I'm too tired for that. I'm too hot, tired, old, all of it. But I needed to cool off, so I went out to the water up to my knees, and I was just standing there, and I was just letting those waves rush over me, and the white, the white caps rush over me. And as I stood there, I experienced the seaweed that was brought in by the storm, just wrapping itself around my ankles and pulling it back out. And then as I stood there with each wave that came in, I could feel the sand underneath me erode. I was getting pulled, I would pull that sand right out from under my feet and I'd go deeper into the sand. And then pretty soon, if I didn't move, I was going to fall over because I couldn't stand. And as I had to get out and I had to move, 
and I get on you know, more stable ground. But if I stayed there, then that would erode it more, and eventually I would be unstable again. And it reminded me of the book that we're doing this weekend, because the book that we are doing is Identity Matters. This is the book that I chose to bring to you, and it is Identity Matters by Terry Wardle, and it is one of the best books on identity. The subtitle is Discovering Who You Are in Christ, and it is one of the best books that I've ever read that actually talks about the process of what it looks like to find your identity, the identity that God has given you through Jesus so that you can have a secure identity, not an unsecure identity like standing in the shifting sand. It is so hard to figure out who you are, and what you were created to do. And we all are come here looking for a place of significance, safety, love, belonging. And we want to find our identity. Like we come going, I need to know who I am. And I need to know how to get these things in my life. And this is what Terry Wardle says about identity. He says, identity is the foundation on which our individual uniqueness rests. Identity secures that which satisfies the deepest longings of our lives. The ground of our identity, whether rock solid or shifting sand, impacts our self-esteem, our self-worth, and indirectly influences the questions of purpose and significance in our quest for a meaningful existence. He says, how we perceive ourselves, though often subconscious, is a driving force in the most important decisions of our lives. Identity matters. Identity matters. You need to know who you are. You need to know how to get those. I mean, do you know that you were created for a meaningful life? God put that in you. These core desires came from God. And when we are born into this world, we are born hungry to find the the satisfaction for these longings. We're hungry to find significance and purpose and love and belonging. Like we're made for it. We come into the world hungry. I have the great honor of being a mom of two boys. They are young adults now, but I can tell you the minute after they came into this world, they were crying for food. They were hungry, and my first job was to feed them, and then it felt like that first job was to feed them for the rest of the next 18 years. It was like they were hungry all the time. You know, I was carrying snacks with me all the time. I had a backpack full of snacks before we went anywhere. Do we have enough food? Because I knew that if they ate, they were much happier, and so was I. Because when we get hungry, but isn't that what happens to us? That we're hungry for these things, and if we don't find them, we get irritable. We get angry. We get hangry. Hangry for things like purpose and acceptance. We have to find it. We have to look at it. Everybody is on this journey. Now, the, um, one of the things that this book talks about is the tale of two tables. It's in chapter 8. And he talks about that you, that we look for our identities, and the picture of tables is really helpful, these two tables. Because when I ask you the question, who are you? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Who are you? Well, I know for me, almost always, it comes mostly with your job first. It is always a what do you do? And sometimes that's a great way to start a conversation, right? What do you do? 
And because of that, it is so easy for us to mistake our job for our identity. That I can say, I am a pastor, I am a writer. And so what some of you will say, this is who I am. I am a company owner. I am a truck driver. I am, and then sometimes it's relationships. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I, sometimes those relationships, I've been married for 28 years. Or the opposite, which is, oh, I've just got divorced. Like we, that becomes a part of our identity. The roles, the relationships we have. Or I'm widowed. These are things that we put into our identity. Sometimes it's hobbies that we have. What, what do you love to do? I love to scuba dive. I didn't know I'd like to do that. That seems crazy to me. It seems crazy to me that I just told you that. Because it sounds like the worst idea ever, but it's really, really magical. And that, but I am, I am a scuba diver, but that's not all that I am, right? There's so much more to you than those things. And here's the deal. If we put our identity into what we do, the relationships that we have, the things we like and the things we don't. If we, put, if we build our identity on that, it is like shifting sand because all those things can change. Life becomes like the waves that crash onto the shore of our existence and then just start seeping out the sand of identity from out from under our feet until we feel unstable and we don't know where to stand and you're trying to find a new place to stand. Who am I now? Because if all those things are taken away, what happens to your sense of self? It's gone. And you're now on a journey to try to figure out who you are and how to get the things that you need. In chapter 8, the author has a picture of two tables. This table is the table of the world. He said, this is a place where the world says you can get all of your needs filled here. You can find significance, you can find security, belonging, acceptance. You can find that here. Come to this table. I know that for me, there was a time in my life when all I wanted to do was come to this table. I wanted to have a seat at this table. I was 17 years old, and I knew that I needed to find significance and safety and security. And so I had some goals. When I was 17, my goal was to win at life. I was going to, first of all, I was going to go to Broadway. I was going to become an actress. You know why? Because when I was a junior in high school, I was in a play called Arsenic and Old Lace. And it was this really strange little play about an 80-year-old woman who poisoned people and her sister. And I was one of the old ladies when I was a junior in high school. And I got an Oscar for it. It was a little tiny Oscar. Thank you for that. It was this little tiny Oscar, but I was so proud, and it kind of like lit the fires. Like, if I could get a little Oscar, maybe I could be good enough for a big one. Maybe this is the pathway that I could have to feel secure. And not only did I want to go to Broadway, I wanted to win all of the awards. I wanted a Tony. I wanted an Oscar. I wanted to win at life, and my goal was to be a millionaire when I was 30. Big goals, right? But what I knew is that I thought if I was a millionaire by the time I was 30, I could be secure and safe. Nobody could hurt me. I wouldn't be hungry. I would, I would have control of my life. That's what I thought. And that is the table of the world. And I wanted a seat at it. But how do you get a seat at this table? There are three things that you can do to come to this table and maybe have a seat. The very first thing is that... They're going to ask you 
to perform. To get a seat at the world's table, you have to perform. You have to make enough money so that you can be secure. You need to earn a degree so that you can be significant and get a good job. You need to perform and do things for this table, be good enough for this table. And if you perform, you may have a seat at this table. The next thing to do when you are wanting to sit at the table of the world is this. They're going to ask you to please. You've got to be pleasing. You need to please the right people so that you can get to the right places. You need to look a certain way so that you will be attractive enough so that you can get whatever you need. Yes, this table promises that you can be somebody and that you can have some power, but to do it, you're going to have to perform and you're going to have to please to do that. The next thing that you have to do when you come to this table to get a seat, to even try for a seat, is achieve. You have to achieve. You have to do better. You have to do more. You have to start at the bottom and then work your way up. You need to be a better employee so that you can get a promotion. You need to be a better mom so people will like you, so other moms will like you, so that your kids can have parties and you can invite other people in your classroom so that your kid doesn't feel like nobody likes them. You have to achieve. This isn't even about jobs. This is about your roles. You have to be a good enough wife so that you can stay married. You have to achieve, and achieving is something that came so natural to me. I was like, oh, I can kill that sucker. I can do it. In fact, the whole idea of acting is being other people and achieving is that when you are like, I will be whoever you need me to be so that I can be successful. The problem with that is that it's all empty. It's all lies. It's not even real. It looks shiny, but it's plastic. The table of the world, to sit at this table, you have to achieve you have to please, and you have to perform. In fact, in order to stay at this table, this is the deal that it makes. The degree with which you measure up is the degree with which you partake. The more you perform, the better you perform, the longer you can stay. But if you stop doing that, sorry, you lose your seat at this table. If this table had banners around it, it would say things like this. Money can solve all of your problems. Get a degree and find the significance that you've always longed for. Get a nip here and a tuck there and be accepted like never before. Learn to win the right friends and influence the right people. Build bigger barns for a brighter future. Learn to run with power brokers. Find the key to unlocking the future you've always dreamed about. Discover the steps that will take you from being a nobody to a somebody, and finally, last but not least, change, change, change in order to catch that special someone. These are the banners of the world's table, and we buy them, and we come to them, and we come, we say, yes, I want a seat at this table, but then you find that you're empty, because no matter what you do, you will not find security or safety or belonging here, because as soon as you stop performing, as soon as you stop pleasing. As soon as you stop achieving, you've lost your seat. You're back at step one, and you have to work your way back. It's exhausting. 
to try to sit at this table. And a lot of you already know it. You know this table. We all know this table. That is the table of the world. The second table is the table of the Lord. And it's this table. This is the table of the Lord. And you know what's amazing about this table? Is that this is the table that God himself creates. This is the one that God himself fills. Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. How many of you know the 23rd Psalm by heart and you don't even know why? Anybody here? Do you guys know the 23rd Psalm? Okay, if you don't, not enough of you know it. It is a fantastic psalm. And it's a song that starts with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters. It's a beautiful, he restores and he refreshes my soul. It is this beautiful song about what God does and who he is. And in verse 5, it says this. It says, surely, nope, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And verse 6 is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 23 presents this beautiful picture of God as the host of a dinner party. And then he says, you prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies that God lavishes. And this table of the Lord has everything that you and I need. This, as, this is where we find real significance, real purpose, love, acceptance. He fills it for us, and then he invites us to it. We try to invite ourselves to this table. This one we are invited to by the Lord himself, and he's the one that sets it up. If this table has banners, messages around it, this is what it says. And they come right from the heart of God to you. And he says, come to my table to fill that hunger, to find your identity. Because I know who you are. I created you with those longings, and so I know how to fulfill them. Come to the table. There is a place for you. And he would have messages around it like, I love you. I choose you. I give you my spirit to help you in life. You are welcome. You are wanted. I will be with you always. I cross the universe to be with you. All my promises to you are yes because of Jesus. Come, eat freely. Drink until you can drink no more. I am preparing an eternal home for you. My love for you is unconditional. You are forgiven. You are free. This table is filled with all the blessings of God. And it is here where you will find the satisfaction and it will fill the emptiness that you were working so hard to fill. But at the end of the day, you still find yourself starving for meaning, starving for love, starving for safety and security, You cannot find them at the table of the world, but you can find them at the table of the Lord. Now, the question is, how do you get a seat at this table? Yes, God provides it. He prepares it. He puts great, amazing food on it, spiritual food that will fill us and help us to become who he's created us to be. How do you get a seat here? The first thing that you have to do to get a seat At this table is not something to do. 
It's somebody to have a relationship with. It's Jesus. It is through Jesus that you get a seat at this table. It is through a relationship with Jesus that you can begin to learn who God is. Jesus is the one we say here a lot, that God, Jesus is who God is like. Jesus is, so that when you look at Jesus, you can see God, and you can maybe begin to trust God. Jesus is the way. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to what? He is the way for you to find your security, your safety in an identity that is on solid ground. Because it is not about what you do for God. It is about what he did for you. Jesus not only said, I am who God is like. He said, I will go to the cross for you. I will bear your sins and all that separates God from you. I'll take them so that you can come to this table and find a seat that's yours. And one that you don't have to perform, please, or achieve to get. That first, the first thing you have to do is come to Jesus. It all starts with him. The second thing to get a seat at this table is faith, is faith. Now, it isn't just faith in faith or faith in a feeling or this, I, I believe, I believe in the universe. This faith is believing in the one who created the universe, and that is Jesus. He says, I have come from the Father and I go back to the Father. And faith isn't just, it's not a feeling. It's not something that you can conjure up in your relationship with God. Now, feelings follow faith. But faith is really believing that something is true. I used the example this week in, in my ladies' Bible study, which was of a chair. If I believe and I have faith in the chair, I'll sit in it. Because faith is about action. It's about doing something with what you believe in. And I sat in the chair and it didn't break. What? Who knew? That's what faith looks like. When you come to this table, through Jesus, it's faith in Jesus and what he did for you and who he says you are and how to live and breathe and have your being in God. So the first thing that you have to do to come to this table is Jesus. The second is faith. And the third one is grace. It is the grace of God. And I'm so thankful for this one. I am so thankful for grace because, first off, grace is, I've heard grace described as grace is God doing in you what you can't do for yourself. Grace is the luxuriousness of his love that gives me room to make mistakes and, uh, and helps me, I, I can grow in him because there's so much grace that it is like an ocean. I can learn to swim. I can learn to scuba dive. I can learn to be who God created me to be because of his grace. Because it is by grace that I am saved, not from myself. Grace, the three things that you need to come to this table, Jesus, faith, and the grace, and all three of these things come from God to you. They are from God for you. Galatians, I'm going to go through three scriptures. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male nor female, because you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all children of God. And that's where identity, that's a solid identity. Because that is something that cannot change. When you come to this table, you say, I am a daughter of God. The only requirement that you have to come to this table is to know that you are a daughter or son of God. And that happens through God, not through you. You receive this identity. But because this identity doesn't come from you, it comes from the eternal God, it means that it is the most secure and sure foundation that you could ever have. Everything else in your life can change, but that will never change. You are a child of God. What does it look like to live from that, to breathe from that, to rest in that? It's a whole new world. In fact, the Bible calls it new life in Christ, and it is what you were created to be. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I love that because it's his glorious riches. Whose power is it? God's power. Where? From his spirit into your inner being. So for what reason? So Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. He's, he does all the heavy lifting for us. And he says, come to my table. Come to my table. Come to my table. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says this, 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. So no one can boast. He said, you got to know, you come for here because it's God's grace. But what's really hard, he says, so no one can boast because we are born into a world where we have to boast. We have to figure it out. we got to figure out who we are. And we need to perform it, please it. I need to achieve. That's just human nature. And yet he says, you don't, you don't have to do that. This is my gift to you. And all you have to do is come sit and receive and receive. Fill up on my love. Fill up on my peace. Fill up on my grace. And find who you are in me. And that's when you're really going to get those core longings connected. Now, I was 18 when I was invited to the table of the Lord. So just a year or so after I had made those big claims that I was going to go to Broadway and be a millionaire when I was 30 because I was so hungry, I walked into a church and I was invited to sit at the table of the Lord and I came joyfully. Because even then, I mean, it didn't take me very long to know that I was empty and I was exhausted trying to go after the table of the Lord. I knew that it wasn't working, that there was something more. And I will never, ever, ever forget when the preacher said that today you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. Today, from this day forward, you will walk with God, have a relationship with him, and you can live the plan he has for your life. It's like, that sounds so much better than my plan. Probably because my plan had just, yes, it was a big, beautiful dream. But what happened if it didn't happen? The probability of that was pretty high. <laughs> but now knowing that I'm a child of God, ah, God, what is your plan for my life? Let's go on a journey. And I said yes. But this is what I did. Because all I knew was the world's table, I came to Jesus joyfully. But it didn't take me very long to start performing for him, trying to please him and be good enough for him. 
and then achieving, what can I do for God? I'll save the world for God. And I drifted back to this table. I, I tried to bring Jesus with me. And every day I'd wake up and I started to feel like I was failing all the time because I'm just not good enough. I'm certainly not nice enough. I'm really grumpy today. And I was really mean to somebody. God probably doesn't love me. I want you to know this. And, and some of you, like me, all you knew is the table of the Lord. All you knew is that I was raised in a religious home. And that religious was, you need to perform correctly so God will love you. You need to please other people. And oh, you're, if you're being a bad girl, God's not going to love you. Achieve. You must do the right behaviors and plus serve, serve, and serve. This is how you come to God. But can I tell you something? That it does not matter if you bring a Bible and a cross to this table. It doesn't make it the table of the Lord. It's still the table of the world. And you know, I still drift over here because it's just so in me. I still find myself wanting to perform for God, especially when I'm tired. I can, I'm going to, that old, that old it, you know, tendency to go, I'm going to be whatever God needs me to be today. And he's like, I need you to be tired and take care of yourself and come get some love. I need you to tell the truth and be honest. I need you to not be fake or try to be somebody else. I just need you to be you, and I need you to know that I love you no matter what, that this seat is still available to you, and I come back to the table of the Lord, and I come back through Jesus, through faith, and with lots and lots of grace. How about you? What is the foundation of your identity? Are you who the world says you are? Or are you who God says you are? What table are you sitting at today? Do you pull up a chair every day at the table of the world and try to earn your way into security? I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to have power. Maybe you've been there so long, it doesn't take very long, but you've been there long enough to know that it's exhausting and it's not satisfying. And every time... You lose a job, you lose a role, things change in your life. Financial security is definitely not something to put your identity in because it can be lost like that. Then who are you? God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I created you to have a relationship with me. You are invited to the Lord's table. Maybe today you are at a place in your life where your whole relationship with God has been at the wrong table. That you come to church hoping to come to a place where you can be set free from that, but then walk away hearing the messages of, you gotta be better for God. You need to do more for God. Maybe today is your day where you can walk away from this table and come back to this table because Jesus is always here and he's always inviting you. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, come home. Come home, because the table of the world says, come be somebody. God's table says, come home. When we say, welcome home here, that's what we're saying. We're saying, come to the table of the Lord. Come and eat and get your fill. Know who you are. You are searching. You are hungry for identity. You can find it here, and it's secure and eternal. The table of the Lord unsecure and temporary. There is a place for you at this table. 
no matter who you are, no matter what you know or don't know, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, no matter if you have power in the world or you have none, this table has an invitation for everyone. And today, maybe it's your day. Maybe it's your day to stop having the foundation of your identity on shifting sand and to start building a life on the solid rock of Jesus. That's what he said. He said, if you do what I say, if you do the things that I tell you, the words I speak, they are helping you to discover how you're made to live and who you're made to be. And when you build a life on me, it's like a rock that a storm could come and nothing will shake that. Because when the storm hits the world's table, it's wiped out. Maybe you came wiped out and exhausted and hungry and done, just done, 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 done with this table. Today is your day to partake at this table. Or maybe you're here and this is your table. You do um, come here and you partake of this table. Um, I want to say share the good news. (laughs) Share the good news because it is so wonderful to have a security that's not built on me. It's built on God, the one who created the universe. The sun is still coming up every day. You can trust him. You can put your faith in him. So we're going to end this service with communion. And communion is something that Jesus did on the night before he was betrayed, the night before he went to the cross, the night before he laid down his life for you, took your sin on himself, and then died. He broke the power of sin, broke the power of death, resurrected three days later so that the invitation is open to all. The night before he did that, he said, I want you to remember something. And whenever you do this, I want you to remember it. And he sat at another table. It was the Last Supper, we call it. And often, communion is called the table of the Lord. Because this is what it's all based on. He said, this, this is a symbol of my body that was broken for you. I will be broken. Because I know you're broken. And so I'll be broken for you so that you can receive healing from me, wholeness from me, completion from me. When you partake of this, remember my body is broken for you so you can walk in healing. Will you partake with me? And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And every time I take communion, I am remembering that my relationship with God does not depend on my work for him. It depends on his work for me. That's the new covenant that is his blood shed for me that I can come to this table as often as needed and learn to live from this table every single day. And it is receiving, it is partaking of the thing that makes it possible for me. Will you partake with me? The table of the Lord costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. 
our place is set because of what he did. Strength doesn't qualify us, and our weakness doesn't disqualify us. It is the table of the Lord. Do you know that you have a table, that you have a table that you can come to, that you have an identity that you can trust in and learn from, that you have a father who sent his son to die for you so that he could know you and you could know him every single day? Is today your day that you need to walk out of here knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you are a son or daughter of God and start living God's plan for your life? If that's you here today, today is your day, and I know that was the best day of my life, and I would love to be a part of the best day of yours. So if you will just take a moment and close your eyes just for a moment, because all it is is receiving God, receiving Jesus, and it is as simple as repeating a simple prayer in your heart like this, Dear Jesus, I need a Savior. I need you. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you that I know that I am a child of God. Help me to learn how to live like it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.